Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. As we continue our series on faith. Sometimes we need to just reflect and think about the fact that our faith looks up to Him. There's an old hymn that says, My faith looks up to Thee. O Lamb on Calvary, Savior divine. He hears us while we pray, and he takes all our sins away. And the song says, Oh, let me from this day be wholly thine. New Covenant, our faith looks up to him, to the lamb that's on Calvary. And we bless him today. Our faith is in God alone, the God who'll never let us down, who'll never fail us. He's worthy. He's worthy. Does anybody out there know that he's worthy? He's good all the time, and he cares for us. So we come today to cast our cares upon him. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this day that you've made. We've come to rejoice, and we're glad in it. We thank you for holding our breath. We thank you for keeping us another day, another hour. We thank you for protecting us. And God, now we come to sit at your feet. Would you send a word? Send a word that infuses faith. Send a word that lifts up the hung down heads. Send a word that strengthens the feeble knees. In the name of Jesus, inspire somebody. Encourage somebody. Save somebody today. Convict by your spirit. Change us. God, I pray that we would be renewed in the spirit of our mind today because of what you shall speak. Speak, Lord, and your servants shall hear because our faith does look up to you. Lamb of God on Calvary, let us from this day be wholly thine. In Jesus' name we pray, and by him we give thanks. And we say amen. Somebody say amen in the comments. Somebody chat at me right now. If your faith looks up to him, somebody say something in the chat room. We're going to continue in our walk through the series on faith. And today our text is coming from 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, where Paul records these words. For we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. The world has a saying, seeing is believing. But in the kingdom, that's turned upside down. Believing is seeing. 
Paul, in the first eight chapters, or first eight verses of 2 Corinthians 5, is reassuring the saints at Corinth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There were those who were saying there is no resurrection. And Paul wanted to give full assurance because the thing that is distinctive about the gospel, the thing that is distinctive about Christianity, true Christianity, is the resurrection. Jesus is the only one who lived and died and got up again. There is no other religion. Muhammad is still asleep. Buddha is still asleep. Confucius is asleep. So Paul did not want them to be led astray, and he wanted to assure them that there is a resurrection. In verse 7, he dropped in, for we walk by faith, not by sight. What is the connection between the resurrection and walking by faith? Paul is referring to an event that the overwhelming majority of believers had not witnessed for themselves. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he gives some evidence. That whole chapter is devoted to the resurrection. And he said all the disciples saw him when he rose on the third day. And Paul said later, I saw him also and bear witness to this. But in addition, more than 500 brethren saw him. For the people of that day, and for the people today, that's evidence. But they didn't see it themselves. They had to believe it based on the witness of others. I, I heard of an atheist, or I read of a person who was an atheist, who read the verse in 1 Corinthians 15, and when he saw that over 500 people bore witness, he became a believer and is now an expert in Christian apologetics, defending the faith, because he said there is no way that more than 500 people are going to bear witness to something that didn't happen. And this was in the time of Jesus that Paul was talking about this. However, However, when there is trauma, there is often a crisis of faith. And so it was with many of those in the days of Jesus, not just those at the church of Corinth, but even in Jesus's inner circle. He taught his disciples over and over about the fact that he was going to rise on the third day. In Mark 9, 31 and 32, these words are recorded. For he taught his disciples and said to them, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. 
There are other recordings of Jesus telling them the same thing. But yet, they didn't understand it. And so when he died and they saw him stretched out on the cross and he breathed his last breath, they dispersed, they were despondent, they were distraught, they were disappointed, their dreams were dashed. They were no longer walking by faith because they had a, a crisis of faith. But with their sight, the thing that was in their sight line was death. And the end of their dream to conquer the Roman government. Their dream was earthly, but the vision was heavenly. And that's why they couldn't understand when Jesus told them, I'm going to be betrayed, but on the third day, I'm going to rise up. He told them another time, no one takes my life. I lay it down of myself. I've got power to lay it down and power to take it up. I will rise again. But they didn't understand. At the tomb of Lazarus, he wanted to demonstrate his power his resurrection power by calling Lazarus forth. He said to his Lazarus sister, look, I know that you believe. And they said, Lord, we believe that on the last day, on the last day, you're going to raise up people on the day of the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? And finally, after he wept, he had to say, show me where he lays. And he called Lazarus forth. But the hardness of the hearts of people who don't walk by faith are such that even after he raised Lazarus from the dead, the enemies of God wanted to kill Lazarus again. A crisis of faith happened in those who once walked by faith, but now their sight was communicating something that was contrary to their faith. And there's no better example than Thomas. Thomas was a zealot who was converted to a follower of Jesus Christ. And those who were in the religious sect of zealots is where we get our word for zealot. He was zealous for Jesus. He was passionate. All his hopes, all his dreams, all his confidence, all his faith was in Jesus the Christ. And when he saw him die, his dreams died. And so the witness of Mary and Peter and James and John did not move Thomas because he was so disappointed. He was in such despair. His ability to walk by faith had been dimmed by his sight. And he said to them without hesitation, I will not believe unless I see the nails in his hands. Unless I feel the wound in his side, I will not believe. But I want to encourage somebody today. 
When you have a crisis of faith and your sight is dimmed and your faith is weak, that's when Jesus showed up because he showed up for Thomas and he walked in the room and stretched out his hand and said, Thomas, feel the nail print in my hand. He took his hand and said, here, put your hand in my side. And he said these words in John 20 and 29. Jesus said to him, before I read this text, let me just say that Thomas's faith became sight again when he was able to touch him. He fell down and said, my Lord and my God. He was overwhelmed because he realized that even though Jesus had told him that he was going to get up, and even though Mary Magdalene and the others witnessed, he didn't see it. But now that the Lord had come into his presence and he sees him for himself, he claims him as his Lord and his God. That was his way of repenting, saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I should have believed you the first time. I didn't understand. But now that I see you, nothing shall separate me from you again, my Lord and my God. And here's what Jesus says in response in John 20 and 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. In a sense, the faith of Thomas became sight. His unwillingness to believe was caused by the pain of perceived loss. Sometimes what we perceive as loss to God is gain. The loss of life on the cross was gain for every one of us because Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave so that we might have eternal life. So what looked like loss in a temporal sense was gain in, a, in an eternal sense. And that's why we walk by faith and not by sight. Paul was telling the people and giving them assurance that I know what you see. I know what you've heard. But faith will bring to your sight that which is real. And I want you to know that in the realm of God, the resurrection is real. The power of God, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies. But you've got to continue to believe. Blessed are those who have not seen but believed. Those who walk by faith and not by sight are blessed in the eyes of the Lord. On another occasion, Jesus was speaking to a master teacher in Israel by the name of Nicodemus. And he said this, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. 
We speak what we know. When you walk by faith, you know some things that you haven't been taught. When you walk by faith, you see some things that are unseen by the world. When you walk by faith, you can speak with authority because you have the assurance that God has wrought whatever he said. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. If God said it, you can believe it. You can walk in that. You can move forward in that because God watches over his word to perform it. And if he said it, he's able to do it. Has God said it and shall he not perform it? He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. And so Paul was saying to them, the assurance of the resurrection is as close as your faith in God. We walk by faith and not by sight. One of the fathers of the faith who received the promise of the covenant first was Abraham. And Abraham was tested. He was tested severely. His only son, God said, offer him up. Offer up your only son. Now you would think logically that God promised me for a long time that I was going to get a, have a son. And finally it happens. And now God is asking me to give up this son. What do you do with that? Do you count God as unfaithful? Do you say, Lord, you're reneging on your word. Why are you going to have me kill the very life that you brought forward? And you said in his seed, all nations are going to be blessed, that I'm going to be blessed. The fulfillment of your promise to me is in him. And now you want to take him away. Sometimes the perception of loss can be devastating. It can cause a crisis of faith. But what I like about Abraham is he stared that thing down. He stared it down. And he continued to walk by faith because he knew that God, he had experience with God, that if God promised it, he'll make a way somehow. The Lord will make a way somehow. I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm going to walk by faith. I don't know how, when he's going to do it, but I'm not going to believe what I see. I'm going to believe what I heard from the mouth of God because the God who created everything, visible and invisible, is able to do it. I will trust in the Lord. And Abraham, as recorded in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19, had this response. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered by his only offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. 
Let me deal with this figurative sense first. What the writer of Hebrew is saying is, Abraham recalled how the promise of God came to him at the age of 75. And it took 25 years of walking by faith, walking in the promise, walking towards the promise for 25 years. Now, when you're 75, time is of the essence. When he's 100 years old and his wife is now 90 years old, all the days of her youth, she was barren. She could not have a child. In fact, she was mocked by Hagar because Hagar had Ishmael from Abraham. So Hagar, in a sense, is saying, Abraham's not the problem. You are the problem. Because Abraham came into me once and I produced a son. You're barren. You can't produce. But yet Abraham is walking towards the promise. Occasionally, God would speak a word to him. Sometimes a decade would pass. He would offer up sacrifice and nothing. There are times when we're walking by faith and not by sight, that we're looking for a word from God to assure us of the promise and nothing. But you got to keep walking. You got to keep moving. You got to keep moving towards the promise because if God said it, even if it appears that he's silent, He's going to perform it. He's going to do it. And the Bible says that Abraham believed that God was able to raise him up because he received Isaac in a figurative sense as dead. Abraham by now is 100. His wife is 90. Her womb is barren, but God visited them, and Isaac came forth. So Abraham... Reckoning was, he was able to conclude what he concluded because he seen, he saw God work. I'm certain Abraham said, I've seen him work and I know he can do it. If he did it before, he can do it again. Life came out of a womb that was barren, a womb that was dead, a womb that in her, in the youth could not produce. And God brought forth life. That same God can raise him up again. If my son was a product of a resurrection. He was born as a child of resurrection. He came from the dead into life. That same God is able to raise him up, so I trust God. I'll offer him up just like you said. And because Abraham walked by faith, the angel of God said, now I know that you believe God. Don't harm the land. I want you to know that lad was not harmed, and Abraham offered him up on Moriah right behind Golgotha. God was giving a sign to Abraham of the resurrection. You don't have to worry if God is in it. You're going to get exactly what he said. I want you to know that you should, you can walk by faith and not by sight and be encouraged that God is able. God is able to do it just like Abraham concluded that God is able to raise him up. There's nothing in your life 
life that God can't raise up. There are things that might seem dead, but God can touch it and bring it back to life. Walk by faith and not by sight. You can trust God. Believe God. He's able to do it. He can do exceeding and abundantly of anything that's in your mind. You can't imagine the thing that God has prepared for you. He's ready. He's willing and he's able to do it. If you believe God can do it, somebody say, God is able. God is able. I know that you may perceive loss. I know you may even be in a crisis of faith, but I want to encourage you today, beloved, by the word of God to walk by faith and not by sight. There's nothing too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for God. He's able to do it. We ought to come to the same conclusion as Abraham, that in a figurative sense, there's some things in our lives that seem to be dead, but God brought them forth. And by that experience, you ought to know that God is able. There's nothing hard for him. I want you to know, New Covenant, every time we come on this campus, we ought to see the manifestation of faith, the faith of our founders, Bishop Granham and Pastor Hyacinth, who believed God when they didn't have any money to give them 40 acres of prime real estate in the middle of Philadelphia. And I believe God that every word that's been spoken over this ministry shall come to pass. This shall be a city on a hill bustling with life for all generations, from the cradle to the grave. Somebody say it is so, and so it is. God has a way of showing you, giving you sight when you walk by faith. If you want to receive your sight, you want to walk by faith. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith that I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. We receive sight by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. God will allow you to see things that are invisible to most when you walk by faith. When we walk by faith and not by sight, we're delivered from the crisis of faith from the depths of despair and disappointment because often what is in our sight is temporal. In fact, it's always temporal. But through the eyes of faith, we can see the eternal. We can see what lasts. When Thomas only saw Jesus breathe his last breath, on the cross, he didn't realize that that was temporal because before Jesus rose on the third day, death was final. It was final. It's written in the fourth chapter of Hebrews that there were those who all their lives feared death. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And from that day, the faith of the people of God shifted. And that's why Peter said, or Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, have you believed because you've seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and believed. Jesus was affirming every believer 
who would come after and walk by faith and not by sight. Can you imagine the number of people that have come to the faith over the last 2,021 years since the, res the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? And every one of them, including those who Paul was writing to at Corinth, and you and me, believe on the resurrection because of the witness of others. We didn't see it, but we believe it. And we are beyond believing it, we know it. And that's why I'm preaching it today. That's why you're receiving it today, because we talk what we know, and we testify what we've seen. We've seen the works of the Lord, and they're marvelous in our eyes. There's nothing that God says that he can't and will not do. And so what Paul was trying to do is to let them know that you can be assured of the resurrection. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, if there's no resurrection, then Jesus died and we're false witnesses of God because we testify by the word of God that there is a resurrection. So either God is true or, or not. And the Bible says, let every man be a liar, but let God's word be true. So I want to encourage somebody today, in your darkest hour, in your seventh trouble, continue to walk by faith. I know how it looks. I know how it appears. I know what the evidence suggests by the circumstances in your life, but walk by faith and not by sight, and you will be blessed of the Lord, because blessed are those who have not seen but believe, because the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And so today, God wants to refocus our sight through the lens of faith. God wants us to see those things that are not visible to the world. And if you are one of those who have not come close to Jesus, you're not close enough for him to deliver you from a crisis of faith, to show up like he did for Thomas when Thomas was down and doubting He's known forever since that day as Doubting Thomas. But Jesus won't leave you alone. He'll cause your faith to become sight. He will cause your faith to become sight. I want to offer him to you today so that you too, in a spiritual sense, can feel the nails in his hands, the wound in his side, he can make himself as real to you as he made himself to Thomas in the time when his faith was failing, in a time when he was doubting, in a time where he was falling and spiraling downward in the depths of despair. 
Father, I pray for all of those who right now are in trouble. They're struggling to see. But God, I pray that you would do for them as you did for the servant of Elisha. Open their eyes that they might see that there are many, you have many, you have many to hold them up, that the ministering spirits are ready to come to them. And God, I pray for those who are in the faith, who are struggling right now because of affliction. Your word says, many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Deliver somebody today just as you delivered Thomas. Somebody's heart is having difficulty receiving even the witness of the truth because of their despair. But God, I pray right now that you would stretch out your hand. Show up in their room right now. Show up in their room right now that they might fall on their face and say, my Lord and my God, and they would surrender to you. Let this be so. And together we say it is so. And so it is in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you today. And the Lord keep you. The Lord be gracious unto you and cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. May you know that he is with you and he's with your seed unto a thousand generations. He is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you?
We've come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord. We're trusting in his holy word. Why? Because he never failed us yet. And so we say, oh, oh, we cannot turn around because we've come this far by faith. May the people of God to continue to walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.